Good morning, church. So, uh, most of you know, this is our son, Max. And Max, you want to tell them who's here with you? Prince. This is Prince. This is Max's service dog. And a lot of you know, some of you may not know, Max is on the autism spectrum. So, uh, that's his dog. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold it together, buddy. I'm not going to get emotional. So he has been uh, asking for a little while. I'm going to take a breath. That feels better. He's been asking for a little while. He wanted to get up, and he had a couple of things to say. And so we thought that today on Baby Dedication Day uh, would be a good day because it's a reminder of, uh, of what we did as a family 11 years ago. So he's going to share a little something uh, about something he went through, and some of you know. I know we have some guests here, so you may not know. So, Max, you want to you wanna share for a minute? Sure. Uh, so, when I was five, I had a uh, seizure in a daycare center, and then I had a second one because um, my doctor took it off the seizure medication, which we're not Not the to... doctor here. <laughs> Not, not his doctor here. Our pediatrician goes to church. Amazing pediatrician. Amazing. It was, a, it was a neurologist. But that's all you need to know. We're good. We're good. I just, I needed to clarify that. Okay. And on my second seizure, uh, I was having a hard time, which I never want to go back to. Yeah. So... He, he had a seizure, and where did we go both times? Uh, to the hospital. Went, went to the hospital, and he had a hard time. He, he, once the seizure started, he, we had a hard time getting him out of the seizure. So he had a lot of medication and spent some time in the ICU. And the second time you had the seizure and went to the hospital, how did they get you from one hospital to the other? Do you want to tell them that? Uh, this might be funny or not, but uh, <clears throat> I went in an ambulance, um, but the first hospital didn't help me. I'm sorry, I went in an airplane, and I almost kicked the pilot off. Okay. So a little clarification. He went, he went in a helicopter. He, was, he was, uh, went in the helicopter, and so he was, he was out of it for a long time until finally they'd gotten enough medication to start to come out of the seizure. But whenever he would come out of the seizure, he had so much medication in him that you're kind of a crazy man, weren't you? And so the, uh, the helicopter pilot let us know that uh, he was kicking and flailing a lot. And so he, he joked that he was, he was threatening to kick him while they were, while they were in the helicopter, right? Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say, like, like how nice everyone was? Uh... Um, some people helped me, um, my parents helped me a lot, and some of my friends helped me here, uh, so yeah. All right, was there anything else you wanted to say? Thank you, buddy. He was nervous, and I was the one. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to catch my breath. 
So, part of why when um, we were looking for a good day for him to share, and I thought, you know, baby dedication is a great day for that. Because what happens in baby dedication is only partially about what happens up on the stage and the prayers that are read and the scriptures that are read. That is important, and that's, that's a part of it, and that's a significant part of it. But I think we all realize that what the parents do when they come up here, they can do at home. In fact, a lot of you parents, I'm guessing you've done that at home. In fact, many times you've done that at home. You've prayed over your kids, and you've lifted up your little ones to God, and you've sought the blessing of God. In fact, you did it long before that baby ever entered the world. You've been praying. You mothers, it's part of the beautiful bonding that goes on while that baby is still growing in your womb. You're, you're holding your tummy and you're, you're praying and you're contemplating and you're thinking and you're dedicating and you have these conversations. And I, I thought it was beautiful that the Dempseys came in fatigues because parenting, we should all be handed some fatigues. <laughs> you know, it's they, they had drill this weekend. I'm so grateful that you were able to slip away from drill and come and be here. But every one of your parent, every one of the parents dedicating this morning, you know, you could have been in your fatigues because that's a part of parenting. And it is, it is this enormous blessing and it is a challenge. And Velvet was the one who, in the middle of her prayer, said, we don't know what we're doing. And that's, that's parenting. And you're figuring it out as you go. But part of the beauty and part of the blessing of a baby dedication like we had this morning is not just the prayer and not just the Scripture. It is the community. Because you can read at home and you do, and you can pray at home and you do, and you can dedicate at home and you do, and you can bless at home and you do. But what you can't do at home is this. You can't do this in isolation. This comes with extended family. This comes with community. There is a kind of care, a level of care that goes beyond what just the immediate family provides. You, you've got the lion's share. There's no question. You've got the biggest task in this equation. There's no question. But the beauty of this morning is the reminder that as difficult as the grind can be, as challenging as it can be, and all the times you had all the answers when everyone else was dedicating their baby, and then you have one, you're like, whoa, I've got a lot more questions. The beauty is you never walk this path alone. You don't have to. You've got a people here and people at home who love you and will walk with you. And they're going to encourage you and they're going to help you and they're going to bless you as best they can. And they're going to support you as you continue to raise these 
little ones. Now, I'm, I promise you my message is going to be short this morning because the big message is what we've already done as a church. And the big message was the story that Max shared and the support that you all showed at a difficult time. We've been looking at statements of Jesus from the cross, and there are statements of Jesus that are well known, that a lot of you remembered before we ever got into this series. Statements like when Jesus is on the cross and he's looking out at a crowd that is mocking him, that has called for his crucifixion, he's looking out at a crowd who has... Uh, Some rejected him, and many of those that are closest has denied him. And while he's on the cross in the middle of the crucifixion, he offers the prayer, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And that's one we say, oh, I know that one. That's a great one. Or we looked at a few weeks ago when there is this criminal, this condemned man who is condemned justly. That's what he says. He knows he's there for a reason. And he's got nothing to give. He's got nothing to offer. He's got nothing he can promise. He's got no way to rectify the situation. He's got no way to repay his wrongs. All he has is a simple prayer, a simple request, and that's all he needs to hear this amazing word of mercy and grace. Truly, I tell you, today, you will be with me in paradise. And last week, we heard these words of the humanity of Jesus And yet it is power under control, power and personhood wrapped up in one. I am thirsty. And we were reminded also of the prayer of Jesus that we can relate to as he cries out in pain, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We we remember these. And comparatively, the one we're going to look at for just a minute this morning seems kind of simple. And maybe not all that significant from John 19, and you'll see it on the screen behind me. Most have left, but we still have a few. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Probably not hanging on a refrigerator. Probably not putting that one up on a mirror like you might, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Although it is extraordinary, it's extraordinary to me. Not the people who left, but the people who stayed. And it's extraordinary to me 
that Jesus' mother is there. And you say, where else would a mother be? And, and, and I don't know, but I know if there's any time where you might want to bail, that would be a time. Because no mother wants to see that. No mother wants to witness that. How could she be anywhere else? But how could she be there to see the pain and to see the suffering, to see the cruelty, to see the death? It's amazing that she's there. And in the middle of this moment, this cosmically significant moment, Jesus holds a little impromptu adoption ceremony. That's odd. That's unusual. Although not totally. It is speculation, but it seems logical by this point that Mary is a widow. Joseph is out of the picture. We don't hear about him anymore. And if we understand a little more of what happens in that context, to be a widow is to be extraordinarily vulnerable at that time. It can be at any time, but you have to think back at a time where there was no social safety net. There's no social security, there's no Medicaid, there's, there's no East Jerusalem retirement community where she can move to. And we don't know much about that family, but we do know they didn't have much. They were pretty poor. We learned that from the beginning by the offering they make at the temple. They didn't have a lot of money, which also means then it's not like she had a big nest egg to, to fall back on. The care of those who were older fell on the children. And Jesus has siblings, but at least right now they seem to be out of the picture. They didn't really follow Jesus while she did. And so Jesus knows that she's vulnerable, that she will need basic care. And Jesus also knows that you can't care for the whole world on the cross if you don't take care of those who are closest to you, under your charge, under your care. And so Jesus makes this last-minute impromptu connection. John, you, you take care of her. Mary, you be there for John. John has a lot to offer, and no doubt Mary has a lot to offer in return as they both deal with grief and loss of the one they love. And I find in that simple moment a beautiful summation of what we're doing 
this morning. A reminder that our connection to God has never been all that there is to the story. If we want to really live out the commandments, it's always what? Yes, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you really love God, you're going to love those around you also. And so to paraphrase the words of Jesus this morning, I would say to the families with all the little ones that you've dedicated this morning, here are your mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and friends and companions. We may not be there at every middle of the night feeding, but you're not alone. You are loved. You are supported. You will be encouraged. You will be uplifted. And to the church, I say, here are your daughters. And here are your sons and your granddaughters, and your grandsons, and your nieces, and your nephews, and your friends, and your companions along this journey. Be there for them. And families, be there for others as well. That's what the care of community looks like. And from this time on, welcome into your homes and your hearts and your prayers and your arms and your care one another. That's what it means to be church.